We're in a series called Word, and uh, really the heart behind it really is a conversation that I believe is around faith, uh, the very vehicle by which uh, we get to know God, by which uh, having come to salvation, God puts faith in our hearts. And I really think that for us, we want to bring some clarity around this. Uh, we know that famous scripture, Romans 10 verse 17, that says um, that faith comes uh, by the word. And I really believe that in this season, what we want to do is have a conversation around this very important topic. Uh, because I don't know about you, but sometimes, uh, often faith seems like such a mystery. Uh, you know, faith is for that person over there that's done really well. Faith is for that missionary who left this country to go and plant a church. Faith is for that successful businessman that's done it really well. But what about me? And so what we often do is we pull away from faith because we, we're not quite sure how to use it. But last week, as Dill shared around the story of Peter, I realized, and, and it's a reminder for us, that faith is a gift. It's a gift from God. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, we have been saved by grace through faith. And uh, faith has been given to us. And so maybe, just maybe, in this conversation today, we should ask the question, what if? It's not about growing our faith, but how do you exercise it better? What if it's less about, how, how, less about making it bigger, but actually using it better? If I've got a gift, I want to use it, don't I? And so God gives us this gift. The problem is that we battle to understand it. The Bible says that faith is a substance of what we hope for and being certain of what we cannot see. Do you see that word substance? There's substance to it, but then on the same side, you can't see it. So what does it mean for us? And so today I want to continue with that conversation around faith because maybe, because maybe it is the most important thing we'll ever understand in our lives. Because without faith, the scriptures tell us we cannot please God. And yet faith is a gift given to us. Well, then the question is, how do we exercise it? We've arrived this morning and you online and you've leaned in to listen and you've arrived here at church. And as you've come through these doors, there's two things that are gonna happen. We're gonna receive the word. Here's the word. But with it, we bring our faith. You see, I don't know about you, you can hear the word and you can clap and go, ooh, that's amazing, goosebumps, all of that, and leave these doors and never be changed. But you can hear the word and bring your faith. And when faith gets mixed with the word, transformation happens. And so I don't know about you, but I wanna change. I, I, don't, I wanna look back over this last couple of years, look back and go, I'm not where I, I wanna be, but thank God I'm not where I was. I've changed. C.S. Lewis said it so well. He said, you know, we, we move along and it seems like every day is the same. But then you know what happens over time? We look back and say, look how everything's changed. You see, that's the gift of grace. It reminds me that Jesus is both the author and the perfecter of my faith. That he has something better for you. He wants to transform our lives from the inside out. Are you ready to hear the word? And are you ready to bring your faith? Because when we bring the faith and the word, something powerful, supernatural happens in our hearts. But, but I've I got to pull back for a moment because maybe this is just, when I'm listening to Dill last week, I started to ask some questions around my faith. I don't know about you, but I love it when I listen to a message where I've got to think about something. You know that moment where you, you, you get something, but he almost left it open-ended. I like how he closed last week. See, I think that's enough. You know, I, I love it when a, a preacher doesn't give you the answer. He just gives you a question. And you know why? Because I pray like anything over these next couple of weeks, you have a revelation for yourself. 
If you hear God's word, you go home on Monday and you start reading it and it speaks to you. And it begins to change your life. And you change those people about, around yours. I heard this recently from someone. You see, you know, as you preach Sunday and Sunday and Sunday out, as a preacher, what you're doing is you're building a sandcastle. And you build the sandcastle and you get to Sunday and the big wave comes. A boof. And you just hope it lands. I'm just being honest. And maybe you do that in your business. You know, you build, 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 and then it's like, ooh, big wave, boof. But what if we're not building sandcastles? What if every day God's layering something on our lives? What if we're building a firm foundation? Because that's what our faith is. It's substance. What if He's building a foundation in your life that as we come in week out, week out, thank you for coming to church today. Thank you for getting online. Because you know what we're going to believe? That God's going to add a layer to our foundation. Maybe last week we just came in through the foyer. But today God wants to take us into the kitchen. And next week He's going to put us on the veranda with a view that we've never seen before. You know why? Because God wants to make you a beautiful home where He'll be resident in. And it only happens when we got the faith and we got some word. Okay, I'm just excited. I don't know. 10:30. Anyone awake here this morning? I got some way. So, so, so here's the question, and here's the thought I want to ask. What if faith is not difficult? It's just different. What if faith is not difficult? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it difficult. You know the story of Johnny, he goes mountaineering. He's climbing the mountain, gets himself in a really precarious situation. He's hanging from a vine. Johnny's never known God, but he cries out. He says, God, if you're out there, please help me. And then suddenly heaven speaks. God goes, Johnny, it's me. I'm here. I'm here to help. And Johnny says, okay, God, what are you going to do? God looks down at him, a bit of silence, and says, let go of the vine. Johnny looks down, looks back up again and goes, is there anybody else out there? And you see, sometimes, what if, what if faith is often something, we, we find it difficult because the Bible says it's a mystery and then, and then it's, it's a substance and we can't see it. But, but what does it mean to hold on to faith? If faith is a gift, what does it look like? Perhaps it's not difficult. Perhaps it's just different. You know, my, my son, I remember many years ago, he picked up skateboarding and uh, he got a skateboard and then somebody got me a skateboard. I thought God was opening a door. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I went and there was a half pipe out the back here. And, you know, I watched skateboarding for a while. I watched the young gun skateboard and I was like, mm, it looks difficult. Off the lip and down again. And then I saw James get on and he was going up and then dropping in and going down again. And then I brought my skateboard to the ring and I put it down there and, and then I started going, you know, like, you know, like when you learn to dance, you go like that, you know, very simple dance. You know? and, and, and then I realized that actually, you know, with skateboarding, it's not that difficult. It's just different. Until after the third Sunday, I fell, got a hematoma on my hip. And then I realized skateboard is not difficult. It's very different for a 45-year-old. Because when you're 13, you bounce back. When you're 45, you don't. But you see, what if, what if our faith, what if faith was not so difficult? It was just different. It had to do with our perspective. What if faith wasn't about solving a problem, but actually God giving us a new perspective? What if faith was not something we need to muster up, but rather who we marvel on? What, what, if, what if that was the case? How would, here's the question, how would you live differently? You know, many people say, you know what, the enemy's attacking my family, he's attacking my business, he's attacking my, the enemy's attacking a lot of things. You know what the enemy really is after? He's after your faith. He's after your faith in the goodness of God. 
Let me say that again. He is a savage assault on your life every day. He's coming at you and he's questioning the goodness of God in your life. You know what that is? He's questioning your faith. And I thought to myself, you know what that means? Faith is important. Jesus said these words, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Has anyone here seen mountains move today? Anyone, Cape Town, Table Mountain hasn't moved, am I right? It hasn't, he was talking metaphorical language. He was saying, if you have faith, guess what, what mountains are being moved? Marriages are being restored. Your business came through last month. You got a roof over your head. God came through and healed that person. You know what he's doing? He's moving mountains. You know why? Just a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith. What if faith is not difficult? It's just different. You know, Jesus came along. The New Testament, Old Testament, Pharisees, Sadducees, hey, kill the dove, bring the lamb in, dress properly, have it all worked out. Then you can come in the temple. Jesus comes along and says, no, there's a whole new operating system. It's not about what you need to do to get to God. It's about what God's already done for you. He came and said, you know what faith is? Faith is believing in a different God. He's a God that loves you and knows you. He's a God that's kind. He's a God that's generous and loving. He's a God that invites. He's a God that opens wide the door so that all may be saved. Maybe, just maybe, we've made it difficult. But maybe it's just a different perspective. And so today I want to read from a scripture in Luke chapter 7. And uh, it's a story of a centurion's faith. And uh, I want to read this, Luke chapter 7, 1 to 10. And then I've got a couple of observations in the back end of what it is to have a functional faith. You see, here's the challenge before I read it. I know that every single one of us have something in common here this morning. And for those who are watching online, I know you have too. Because when you're online right now, you're sitting in your lounge, you're going to look to your kitchen. And you know in your kitchen, you've got that, that cupboard right at the top left in our kitchen that's there. It's where all the china cups are. You know those teacups that get pulled out for special occasions when the queen comes for tea. You know, in the pandemic, you haven't had much of those because visitors couldn't come around. So those cups have got a bit dusty. Let me talk to the men for a moment. You know those men, they've got their special shoes for weddings. You know those shoes? You know those ones that they sit there? And you know, when you were 21, you went to all the 21st. Then when you were young, you went to all the weddings. Now, nicks, no more marriages. Woo, nicks for scricks. Nothing. You know, and those shoes are still there. And what about those suits? You know the suit you used to wear when you were 25? Now you're 45. Woo, bit tight around the glutes. But you know what I'm saying? It's a, you got those special suits. You know that special dress, ladies, come on. You got your special dress for weddings. And you know what? Sometimes we think our faith's like that. I've just got to have a special faith. You know that faith when I wrote my geometry exam, I was like, oh, Lord, please help me. You know that? You know when someone says, tell, ask you to say grace at a family function? Oh, please, Lord, help me. You know, we, we want that special faith. But I want to believe that God hasn't got a special faith for us. He's got a functional faith for us. A faith that works for you on Monday when you're feeling grumpy and gloomy. A faith that works for you on Tuesday when you've got nothing more to say. A faith that works for you on Wednesday on hump day. You know, hump day, halfway through the week. A faith that works on Friday when you've got no faith. A faith that works on Sunday when you arrived through church and went over the bump and you're arguing when you came here with your wife. But now he's got some faith for you. Okay, so you don't want an ordinary faith. I want that faith. And I, and I think it's available for all of us. What if faith wasn't difficult, it was just different? 
Let's read it together. Luke chapter 7, 1 to 10. It's the story of a centurion, an ordinary people like you and I. He didn't have it all worked out. He didn't even know Jesus. He'd never read the Old Testament, never been to church, never been in the temple. He thought Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was a new Nintendo game. He had no idea. He had nothing. He, he, he didn't even have Jesus as his friend on Facebook. He knew nothing about him, but he marveled him. You, you know how amazing that is? You know how much hope that gives us? Never before in Scripture has one man marveled Jesus. Jesus made you and I in Genesis. He made the animals and he says it was good. God said it was good. Moses went through the Red Sea. God wasn't amazed. Joshua went around Jericho and they shouted and the walls came down. God wasn't amazed. David took out Goliath with a stone. God wasn't amazed. Lazarus was dead for three days and rose again. God wasn't amazed. And yet he was amazed by a centurion, an enemy of his who just showed us what real faith looked like. Could it be that you and I, just one, one simple access to a faith that we've already been given could use it today. Let's read it. Luke 7, it says, after he had finished all his sayings, this is Jesus had been speaking, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most powerful sermons he ever preached. In the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum was his hometown base. It's where he administered and come back to Capernaum. Verse two, now centurion, he has our character, had a servant who was sick and at the point of death. Just notice this for a moment. The centurion wasn't surrounded by great circumstances. He was surrounded by sickness and death. who was highly valued by him. Verse three, when the centurion heard about Jesus, say heard, heard about Jesus, thank you. Say heard again. Faith comes by hearing about Jesus. He sent him to elders of the Jews, asked him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation and he is the one who built our synagogue. Look at that centurion. He loved his nation and he helped build the church. Oh, there's something powerful about that. Verse six, and Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent Fred saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have to come under your roof. I love the fact that as Jesus gets closer to us in our lives, the less we are worthy of what we bring. I don't have to bring anything this morning. I'm not worthy. When I come close to Jesus, I recognize that I brought nothing to my salvation. He did it for me. He is worthy to have you do this for him. And then he goes, I'm not worthy. Verse seven, therefore I do not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does. Verse nine, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Other interpretations say great faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well, the title of my message, if you're taking notes today, is What Faith Is This? What Faith Is This? The centurion showed us a real and functional faith. How did he do it? Well, the first thing I see in this text, if you're taking notes, is simply this. One, he, a functional faith puts, it, puts its faith in Jesus. He trusted Jesus. He trusted Jesus. He knew where to go and get help. 
it's, it's interesting in this text, he said, Lord. He called him Lord. Without ever seeing him, without being in his presence, without ever being reading about him, he just heard about him, but it was enough to put his trust in Jesus. I thought to myself for a moment, there is something powerful behind this principle because it actually saves you and I from our selfish lives. You know why? Because I think sometimes in our lives we've got faith for something. Has anybody got faith for something here? Faith for that house, faith for that business, faith for, faith for. Inherently, it's not a bad thing. The problem is if we live our lives based on what faith is for, it does two things. One is when we achieve it one day, when we get the house, we get the business. You know what we do? Walk out a little bit proud. Look what I did. But on the other side of the coin, if we fail to get there, we have a self-pity party. Oh, crumbs, I'm not worth it. God doesn't love me. I failed. I don't have enough faith. I'm not quite sure. But guess what? Good news, friends. The gospel comes in and rids ourselves of ourselves and says, no, no, no. Your faith was never about what you could do, whether you could have the strength or whether you're weak. Your, strength, your, your faith was about the object of your faith. It's never been about the faith for. It's about who I got faith in. The centurion had faith in Jesus. He showed us something so powerful. I got faith in Jesus. Last week we learned about Peter. Remember Peter? The guy spoke more than he should have. And the guy who got out the boat, remember him? He got out into the water. But the first thing that Jesus said, you know, they saw him and they saw this ghost coming and they got terrified. And Jesus said these words. It was Jesus. He said, take heart, it is I. That word I in the Greek statement is ego emi, which means I am. In other words, the great I am, God himself was walking out on the very thing, standing on the very thing that terrified Jesus and terrifies you and I, death. You know what happened with, with Peter? He got a vision of who Jesus is. Friends, when we get a vision of how big Jesus is and how glorious he is and how majestic he is, it changes our lives. Sometimes, you know, what, you know what it is to live by faith? It's often we talk to God about our problems, but what about if we talk to our problems about how big our God is? What if we started to talk about, to our problems about how big God is? Because I don't know about you, but I need to not muster up some faith. I need to marvel on who saved me, who set me free, who came and found me, who changed my life, who transformed me. I need to lift up Jesus. The centurion did something. He took a key and locks it for all of us. It's never based on your strength or your weakness. It's the object of our faith. You know, when, when, when Peter when John, you look at all the other gospels of this account of him walking on water, it, John Mark writes his, Mark's gospel. But when Mark wrote his gospel, Peter was on his shoulder. He was influencing him, you know, like Peter is in everyone's business. But he's always, he's like, he's trying to tell Mark how to write it. When he gets to this account, Peter doesn't mention his name. I wonder why. Why does he edit his name out the story? You know why? Because Peter's trying to remind you and I, when we read this, it was never about Peter's faith. It was about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we trust Jesus, it sets us free, awakens our hearts to the beauty to live in freedom because it's never been about what you do or whether you fail or whether you get it. It's about the finished work of the cross. It's about God's freedom and grace over our lives. I wanna trust Him. A year ago, I moved uh, onto the farm. We stay in a cottage just near my folks and we, we, we had a backyard and we we're looking for shade in the backyard. So I thought I'm gonna transplant a tree, an Aranatha tree, a coral tree. You know that tree, beautiful flowers. It's amazing. Love those trees. I planted a tree about eight years ago. So I thought I'm gonna take the eight-year-old tree. I'm gonna dig it up and I'm gonna put it in position. But you know, when you transplant a tree, there are many things that are helpful. You dig a, a square hole, not a round hole, because then your roots go 
not good. Anyway, so you dig it to a depth that is suitable for that new root structure to go. And you cut back that leaves a bit, and then you put it there. You put some fertilizer at the bottom. You sink it down. You, you fill up the soil. You cover it. You give it a bit of a basin so you can put some water in it. All these are important in transplantation. But none of these will ever work without one thing. When you move that tree, you've got to mark where it faces north. And when you take that tree and you put it back in its position, it's got to make sure that it's still facing north. You know what this tells me? That even creation in a transitioning world knows where its northern star is. And I thought to myself, if a tree knows where its northern star is, how much more you and I? In a transitioning life where you are moving all the time, the one thing that we need to do is set our eyes on the northern star, the bright morning star. His name is Jesus Christ. I put my trust in Jesus. Centurion shows us what functional faith is. Number two, if you're taking notes, is a functional faith hears from heaven. He said he heard about Jesus. I can imagine him. He must have heard about Jesus and how he went into the synagogue and opened up to Isaiah chapter 61 and began to read about the prophecy that Isaiah said and said, no, that is me. He must have heard about he went to Matthew's house where all the tax collectors on the prostitutes were and he had a party with them. He must have heard about when he left Matthew's house and the crowd gathered and he healed every demon-possessed person, every sickness. And he, he must have heard about this. He must have heard about the Sermon on the Mount when he spoke those words of wisdom and people's lives were changed forever. He must have heard about when he came down the mountain and he saw the leper hiding behind the rock and he touched him and he was healed. He must have heard about this. You know how faith comes? Faith comes by hearing. Here's the challenge. We live in a visual world. See, the Bible says we live by faith, not by sight. I don't know about you, but what happens around me affects me, doesn't it? Because we live with sight. But, but the centurion teaches something more, so powerful. And if you're taking a note, write this down. Don't let what your eyes see hinder what heaven has for your heart. Because often we let what our eyes see stop us from walking in the fullness of God. But God wants to remind you something in the centurion's faith. It's never been about what you see. It's rather what you hear from God. Was anyone around you in the early 90s? Do you remember when the Sharks played the Kings Park Stadium? And it feels like they haven't played there for a long time. We could go in that stadium. But I remember going there as a young boy and we used to go there and spend the whole day, the Saturday there, all the brothers and we'd put shark fins on vehicles and we loved it. The whole experience, season tickets, bra afterwards. It was fun. And you remember the sharks? Do you remember them? Do you remember? I, I, I'm, I'm going to pick up some players like Val Bartman and Rudy Fasaki and Craig Jamison and Jeremy Tom. Okay, I'm lost. No one's nodding here. I've got a new generation. In the previous service, everyone's going, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then there was James Small. But my favorite, my favorite was Andre Joubert. Do you remember him, the fullback? When he, when he kicked that super springbuck, I'm telling you, the leather used to come off it. He used to shake like a torpedo through the stadium like that. I remember those days. I loved it. Now, if you're a sportsman and you follow anything, a fantasy league, anything, you're an English football supporter, hopefully you're a Man United supporter. But anyway, we'll talk after the service. But, but anyway, so, so you know what it's like when you get to the end of the season and you've got those log points. You know, you gotta, If you've got the most points, you get through to the final. Well, that, that Saturday we went through to watch the Sharks. And you know what happened? It was irrelevant what we were going to see in that stadium because whether we won or lost, it was all dependent on what another game in another stadium. We needed Province in Newlands to win. And if they won, no matter what happened here, we were playing the Bulls, we would go through. It was quite something to be in that stadium that day. We got 10 minutes to the end. We are losing by 25 points. 
defeat. And yet the shark supporters are tuned into their radios and they were listening to what was happening in Newlands. And in Newlands, they were winning by 20, which tells me you can be in the presence of defeat, but hear a different story. You can be in the presence of circumstances look washed out, but when you hear from heaven, it's a different voice of your life. I don't care what's going on in my little stadium. God says, would you just hear what heaven has for you? There's a different story. Oh, don't let what your eyes see hinder what heaven has for your hearts. You know, 1 Samuel chapter 5, David is facing the Philistines and this big army is coming. And David, his knees are shaking. He's got six warriors. He's thinking, oh God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know whether you've ever got in that position. Think about the centurion. He's surrounded by sickness, but he's got his eyes on the Savior. You know what he's choosing to do? I wanna hear from heaven. His servant's sick. Everything told him it's not over, but he's saying, no, 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 no. Give me another language. Give me another voice. I need to hear from heaven. David's the same. He says, God, God says, David, go and hide underneath the mulberry tree. How's that for tactics? Imagine that. I've got a problem in my business, Trevor. What do I do? God says, go and hide under the Mdoni tree. You know? Imagine you're a farmer. God, do I plant now? I don't plant now. God says, go and hide under the Mdoni tree. It doesn't make sense. But David was obedient. And he went and hid under the tree. And it says, when he was hiding under the mulberry tree, God said, when you hear the angels rustling the trees, you will know that I've defeated the Philistines. Do you see that? David could see the army but he choose to hear the angels. I wonder if in this season where it feels like South Africa, everyone's talking about how it's done and dusted and how this, and there's chaos on the street. No, 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 no. We, we might see it with our eyes, but we're gonna choose to listen to a different story. By faith, we're gonna choose to listen to heaven's story because Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. That means whether you live in South Africa, America, the North Pole, Australia, New Zealand, you're gonna have tribulation. But take heart. Cheer up, he says three times. Oh, I love that. Maybe you arrived grumpy at church today. <laughs> Cheer up. Put a smile on your face. Cheer up, he says. I've overcome the world. And if I've overcome it, so have you. If I've overcome it, so have you. He has the final word over your life. No matter the circumstance you're going in, you might not get out of it, but he'll go through you with it. Take heart. I've overcome the world. You know, when I listen to that, I always think of Deuteronomy 28. It's the longest sermon in the Bible, 28 chapters. And the guy who closes it, closes it on curses and blessing. And the interesting thing is there are 28 curses and 14 blessings. Now, if you read this without the eyes of faith, you think, why did God curse us double the times that He would bless us? But if you read it through eyes of faith, you realize that look how much He saved us from. Look how much He saved us from. I think maybe in this moment, when you hear from heaven, you need to remind yourself, look how much God saved you from. He saved you from your guilt. He saved you from your past. He saved you from your shame. He saved us from our family. He saved us. He saved us from so much. Look what God has done. This is what it means to hear from heaven. I'm not just gonna listen to that. Uh, I had a dream the other day. It was Wednesday uh, that I had a Wednesday night. I don't often dream, uh, honestly. And I remember, I, I just carry on. Um, no slides, I'm just passed out. And uh, I had a dream. And I had a dream I was in this double cab Land Cruiser this Wednesday night. And we're on our farm. We're driving. My brother's in my front. My father's in the front. I'm in the back seat. Someone was next to me. I don't know who it was. That's why dreams are. They're weird. 
And you drive, I'm, we're driving like this, and next thing we see this train. We had an old railway track that used to be on our farm, a distance. I saw this train coming, and the train was going too fast. You know, you just see this train going. It disappeared down into the valley, and one of the carriages came off. And suddenly, in the land, anxiety filled our hearts. We looked to the one side, and I, I don't know, I heard sirens of police vehicles. And I was like, oof, what's happening? Then we looked to our right, and out our window, we saw fires burning in our fields. And it felt like for a moment, everything came out of control. And then I remember the land cruiser coming to a standstill. And my dad said, get out. And we all got out. And for a moment, we just closed our eyes. We closed our eyes. And when we opened again, no more train, no more sirens. And the fire began to dissipate. And I felt like God saying, maybe in this season, it's time to close our eyes and open our hearts. And hear from Him. Because maybe He's talking. And maybe we're letting what we see stop us from moving forward. But God has a greater word over your life and He wants to speak into your heart. Don't let what you see hinder what heaven has for your heart. That's a functional faith. Faith that trusts Jesus and hears from heaven. The last one I want to close with this. It's a faith that moves on a word. Moves on a word. Do you know the centurion? He said, Lord, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Do you see that? Faith moves on a word. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I want the red moon to line up with the blue moon, to line up with the, the zodiac sign, to line up with everything before I do anything for God. I want to wait till I've all got it figured out. I want to wait till I have enough knowledge of God to lead a small group. I want to wait enough to God to serve in the church. I've got to wait for one day when I'm old enough. I'm too young. I'm too young. I don't know where. I'll wait till I'm retired. But God says, listen, don't wait on all those details. God never does give the details. All He does is He gives you a word. He said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to go. God, where do you want to send me? No, just go. Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. Where's the land, God? I don't know. You just wonder. I'm going to give you a son. Really, God? When, God? I don't know. Matthew is in the tax collector's booth. Jesus pops his heads in. Will you come? One word. Matthew moved. You see, because that's what real faith is. Faith is not I name it, I claim it. Faith is when I act upon what I heard. Today I got the word. I'm going to bring my faith. That's when transformation happens because I go out and I say, I'm going to do what I said. You know, I remember there was a, a, a guy by the name of George Blondin. He, he was a tightrope walker, uh, early 19th century. Great profession for back then. And uh, he put an advert in the New York Times. He said, I'm going to walk across Niagara Falls. And he, and he put an advert. Thousands of people gathered. Niagara Falls is New York, uh, America this side, Canada that side. And George Blondin got up on his tightrope and off he went. He went across. When he got to the Canadian side, the crowds were like, whoa, George. George says, stops the crowd for a moment. He says, do you think I can go back? Do you believe, do you th- do you believe in me? And the crowd like, George, we believe you. You can go back. George took it back again. He walked across. He got to the middle. He did like a little shimmy and then he fell inside. I'm only joking. He carried on. He carried, I thought I'd add that. He carried on to the other side. When he got to the other side, the Americans were like, oh, George, you're the best ever seen. He stopped the crowd. He said, do you believe I can take a wheelbarrow with me? George, we believe you. Took the wheelbarrow, went across the other side. Oh, the Canadians did a little shimmy in the middle, didn't fall off. Got to the other side, they were wild. George says, 
Do you think I can take a cement bag in the wheelbarrow across the other side? Oh, George, we believe you. Puts the cement bag in and off he goes. And he gets to the other side. Crowd are wild. There's a man, wealthy man, got a front row ticket. He's sitting there. He says, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. George looks at him and says, really? Do you believe that I can keep doing this? He said, definitely. He says, no problem. Why don't you get in the wheelbarrow? You see, because that's the real test of faith. It's one thing to name it. It's another thing to claim it. But to do it. You know, James, Jesus' half-brother, he wrote about this, faith and works. He used hands and gloves as an example. He said, when you just get a little bit of truth out the side of your eye, you, just, you get a hold of a little bit of truth and you act on it, it leads to a fruitful and blessed life. Obedience, not opportunity, lives to a blessed life. When you hear the word and you act on it, watch what God will do in your life. Can I say it in another way? You're sitting here today and you're watching online. I dare you, I dare you to act on a word this week. God wants to speak to you and he's not gonna give you the details. Sometimes we wanna understand everything to obey something. We don't need to know everything. All we need to do is take a word. What is God saying to you? I dare you to act on it and watch what God will do. You know, Jesus' disciples are in the boat and there's a storm and they're terrified. These are seasoned fishermen hanging on the ropes I think they're just cussing each other. Why did you do this? Why are we in the storm? Oh. And there's Jesus. He's just sleeping. They go down, they wake him up. And they say to him, don't you care about us? We're about to die. Jesus gets up, he calms the storm and the waves. Imagine Jesus just smiling. He loved his disciples so much. And they said, who is this man that does this? And Jesus looks at him and he asks him a question. He says this, where's your faith? You know what Jesus isn't saying? He isn't saying they didn't have faith. What he is saying is, where's the faith? Where's that that you've been given? Are you going to exercise it? Are you going to use it? Because you've got something special. You've got something powerful in your life. You have what the world doesn't have. You have faith, a precious gift. And if Abraham can do it, and Noah can do it, and Joshua can do it, and the centurion can do it, guess what? So too can you. What if the whole of heaven, the angels are on the balcony and they're looking over and going, Leanne, why don't you step out in faith this week? Hey, what if they're doing that? Hey, Jean, are you going to step out in faith? Are you going to make a move? Because you can trust me. I wonder if he's speaking to you today and he has a word for you. Are you going to move? Are you going to move? Because watch what happens when you do. Watch what God's going to do. Here's a way of turning it around and doing what we could never dream possible. Here's what I know about faith. This story starts with sickness near death. It ends in wholeness and healing. In the middle, we've got faith and we've got the Word. And when you get those together and you mix them together, wholeness, freedom, restoration, and reward. You know what God wants for your life? A high yield faith. 
I'm talking some farmers. I see Dennis in the back there. Some farmers had a high yield faith. You know what that high yield faith is? He used an example, Jesus. He said, when I put a seed in the ground, guess what my return is going to be? 30, 60, 90. Does anyone want that in their life? I don't know about you, but I want a 30, 60, and 90. Not a one plus one equals two. When Jesus fed 12,000 people, two fish, five loaves, equals 12,000, remainder 12. That's his multiplication. He wants a high yield faith. Jesus spoke about pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Running over. That's his desire for our lives. I don't know about you. What an invitation. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray. I want you just to close your eyes and uh, open your hearts. Father, I thank you that you're here by your presence, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your word. And I thank you for the gift of faith that you deposit in every single person here. It's never been about the size of our faith, God. It's about the size of our Savior. I thank you that you're here right now and you're speaking into people's lives. I thank you for those who've tuned in online, God, and I pray today that the word would find itself in people's hearts. I thank you, Jesus, that all it takes is one word. One word from you, Lord, and we move. One word from you, Lord, and we say, yes, God. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak into the depths of our hearts, God. I pray that you remind us of the goodness of your grace and your love for us. Thank you that we can trust you in this season. Thank you that you have a faith that is functional for our lives, God. And I thank you for the reward to our faith. Thank you that it's a high yielding faith. Thank you, God, that you have so much more for our lives, more than we could ever dream or imagine. I pray for this, Lord, to settle in our hearts today. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us such a gift, the gift of faith. What if it's not difficult? It's just different. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.